Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, news editor for the AMP Publications team, where I write and produce content for Coatings Pro Magazine and Materials Performance Magazine, along with a host of other duties for our pubs team. On today's show, to talk about some trends in the marketplace, feedback from clients, and all sorts of things going on out in the industry these days. I'm joined by Ed Croft, CEO of American Innovations. Ed, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. How are you? I am good, Ben. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I think a good place to start our discussion would be simply by you introducing yourself to our audience. Just tell us a little bit about your career in the corrosion control industry, as well as a bit about American Innovations and where you all sort of fit into the marketplace. Happy to, thanks. Um, yeah, as, as Ben said, I'm Ed Kraft. I'm the CEO of American Innovations. I've uh, been with the company since 2010, and that is uh, when I joined the corrosion control industry. Uh, I'm an engineer by education, and I've spent my whole uh, work career in uh, various versions of high tech. So I uh, came into corrosion control uh, and joined American Innovations, and, and I've had a number of roles in the company. Um, during the 12 years, almost 13 that I've been here. So um, where AI fits, we've uh, we've been an official company since 1995, uh, began as a uh, company trying to measure the electric meters on, on homes. Uh, we quickly, I think, figured out that that probably wasn't gonna be a, a good market for us since there were really, really large companies competing in that space. And so we introduced a bullhorn remote monitor and it was a very broad based tool. We kind of threw it out there and it, it used that that first phone system. You know, you remember the big almost mm-hmm. shoebox phones that everybody carried around. Um, it used that system to communicate. And pretty quickly we started figuring out that um, there was this area of the world, uh, this, this technology called cathodic protection. And people were interested in using our remote monitors to monitor the systems that help prevent pipelines from corroding. So um, it was really customer feedback that drove us further into that space. And, and so then over the years in the in the 2000s, uh, we invested heavily and we acquired a couple of companies, um, including um, sometime around 2003 or four, we acquired uh, a company that brought us uh, the PCS product, which is the pipeline compliance software. And today it's it's very much the leading software package that pipeline operators use to manage their corrosion uh, data, their their corrosion control data. So um, we continue that that is our niche and that's where we're focused as a company. Um, At this time, we've gone from just having the remote monitor and then just having the software. Uh, Now we really have a complete suite of products that um, allow corrosion professionals to collect the right data, uh, you know, at the right time to meet regulations at the right location using advanced GPS systems and, and to take data accurately. And so take that data from the field into the secure uh, cloud. And then uh, if if uh, customers choose or, or pipeline operators choose, we can actually make that data available to them on premise at their company. So um, that's uh, that's that's really our story. Um, this mm-hmm. is. This is what we wake up to do is um, is help basically um, operators keep people in the environment safe 
by helping them manage their cathodic protection workflows and, and to meet regulations. At a high level, when we're talking about the technology, how has it evolved over those years? I know you've been doing it with AI for more than a decade now, and you mentioned the solution itself first being presented to the marketplace in 2003, 2004, that range. What are some things just from a technical perspective that you're able to do now in 2022 with these types of uh, remote monitoring solutions that you weren't able to do even a few years ago? Sure, um, it's, a, it's a great question. It, it's it's neat. I mean, the cathodic protection industry is, is obviously very, very important uh, to the environment and to people and our earth. Um, but it's, it's not a huge industry where, you know, enormous, uh, companies like, you know, Honeywell or IBM and, you know, invest directly into it. Um, but on the other hand, we can leverage the technologies that they use. So mm -hmm. if you think about, uh, digital transformation initiatives, for example, the internet of things, um, we are absolutely leveraging um, technologies that enable the Internet of Things in other markets. And so that, that could be low-cost sensors to basically understand if a riser post has been knocked over, we can put a gyroscope uh, out there. Uh, gas sensors to understand methane or other type of gas leaks. Um, probably the most recent example is um, we used to, we, we've, uh, for a very long time, we've provided the market a, a mobile field computer, we called it, and it was a really heavy, uh, very rugged um, handheld, I wouldn't even call it a computer now, but it had a little four inch screen. Um, it had a, a proprietary um, measurement device integrated to it. And, and we sold that and it is today the standard way that people do cathodic protection surveys. Well, um, we were pretty limited by that technology. Uh, a couple of years ago, we released uh, a brand new product that now runs on Android. It runs on iOS, and at some point, will run on Windows as well. And and now customers or, or users are are able to get a much much better solution, longer battery life, a big screen. Uh, in the case of on Android, we're able to provide it on a on a really an industrial focused tablet that has a sunlight uh, readable screen and a very uh, a very nice way to integrate mapping into the survey process, which people had been requesting for quite some time, but our old handheld couldn't really offer that because of the limitations of the technology. So that that's one example where mobile field survey is just leveraging the ubiquity of, of handheld and mobile computing. Um, the other thing is, you know, the, the, uh, the fact that cellular networks are, you know, have expanded coverage so much that mm -hmm. the satellite industry, um, there are so many new satellite constellations being launched and it's driving the cost down, it's increasing the coverage. So there's, there's, we're quickly getting to a point where there's nowhere in the globe, particularly North America, which is the primary market yeah. we serve that we can't exchange data with. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, on the other side of that same question about what types of technologies are in development right now that might help you 5, 10, 15 years down the line. And one of the things that I was really thinking about was just the overall increase in um, database coverage, because that's come such a long way over just the past 
10 years or so. So at least to me, it feels like that's an area where over the next decade, you could see even more growth. Just from a high level technical perspective, what are some of the things that are in the uh, proverbial pipeline now? Not the literal <laughs> pipeline, the proverbial yeah, yeah, yeah. one uh, that might even further bolster this market over the coming years. Yeah, I think, um, again, I don't, uh, not again, I, I think in the cathodic protection space, um, it's, it, you know, we're, it's not necessarily an industry of, you might call really, really early adopters. Um, once the technology has matured a little bit, we, we as, as one of the leaders in the industry, take that and try and come up with imaginative ways to make our customers more productive, right? And streamline their operations. So one of the things that we're absolutely working on right now is, um, is machine learning and edge computing, right? We, we want to push intelligence further out to the field, right? Because then we can enable our customers and our users to make real-time decisions. So in other words, one, one of the things that we talk about inside our company all the time is we don't ever want our, our, our clients to have to go back to the field because they didn't collect the right data while they were out there, right? That's a, an enormous waste of time in an industry that's really short on people. So um, one of the things we're working on is um, equipping uh, our remote monitors and our mobile computing field survey devices with analysis tools that basically can tell the, the field, uh, field clients exactly if they've, are they collecting the right data? You know, it can step back and, and use math, use, use analytics to say, hey, we think you're gonna have a problem here, you know, before your next survey is due, why don't you go address it now while you're in the field? So we are we're uh, we're laser focused on leveraging all the investment in artificial intelligence and machine learning and low cost edge computing and applying that to cathodic protection. So that that's not going to happen tomorrow, um, but it's 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 something we're working at. I think the other trend is um, you know for some time uh, if you look at um, like uh, take frozen rail cars. A lot of those have a remote monitor of sorts on them, right? Um, and a lot of those radios, they use cellular. And then uh, when they're out of cellular range, they'll fall back to satellite, right? Well, that, mm -hmm. that's been pretty prohibitively expensive uh, for our market because most of our remote monitors don't move, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what's, what's exciting now is two recent announcements. One is that T-Mobile is working with uh, Starlink, which is Elon Musk's satellite constellation, his, his company mm -hmm. that does that. Um, and and their T-Mobile is going to use with your, you know, with your handset, they're going to use that satellite constellation uh, as a fallback. So, so if coverage is weak in a particular area or something happens to the cell network, we can ensure that data continues to flow. Apple's announcement last week about they're working with a satellite company called Global Star, and uh, they're gonna allow people who maybe are doing a remote hike or lone worker um, to um, to fall back to satellite for um, SOS type communications. So mm -hmm. um, we're gonna we're gonna see those communication technologies continue to advance. Uh, you know, and, and right now most customers, most of our clients would say, look, it's very much worth the money to monitor a rectifier or monitor a bond or to do an AC study, but but maybe not on all my test points because I have to buy the remote monitor up front and then there's a service fee with it. We're going to see downward pressure on those prices 
And it, I think it's, it's going to get inexpensive enough where we'll see the coverage on those type of assets um, really, really increase in the next five years. You mentioned that the cathodic protection industry typically isn't an early adopter of some of these technologies, and the clients you deal with have a lot to do with certainly pipeline infrastructure, um, high quality oil and gas assets. I guess I'm curious from your perspective why you think that is. Is it because these assets and the failure risk is so great because we're talking about something that's so important that should a technology uh, a newer technology that is not work as intended, that the consequences, the risk is just too great. Why do you think, I don't want to say this industry is behind the times, but you know, why does it take some of your clients a bit longer to trust some of those newer technologies? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question. I think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, a lot of um, industries that tend to adopt technologies earlier are more tolerant of issues in those new technologies, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When they're when they're unproven, you know, maybe the risk of uh, the consequence of failure isn't that high. Well, that's certainly not the, the case in pipeline, right? Not at all, right? It's it's you know the pipeline industry is critical, obviously, to uh, the whole world. It's critical to uh, our country, and um, we we can't tolerate failures in the same way some other industries can tolerate them. It's uh, it's a little bit like banking. I mean, we all think about banking as being uh, high tech, but in a lot of ways, it's been pretty slow to adopt technology because of security concerns. And we and we still have issues with that, right? That makes sense. So when we talk about your customers, uh, specifically in the pipeline infrastructure, the oil and gas space, what are some of the things you hear from them these days as far as um, what they're noticing in the field, what their needs, their challenges are, and how does that drive what you all do at AI? I think the number one, and I've I started hearing this when I when I first joined AI. At the time, it was you know again 2010, 2012. In that time, we would hear a lot about how we we didn't have enough uh, younger people joining the industry, and and a lot of the knowledge was getting ready to retire or leave the leave the industry. And so you saw NACE, now AMP, uh, put a huge effort into recruiting, working with colleges. We did the same thing to try and bring more people into the market um, because of the, the sort of fear of not having enough folks. I think I think we made some really good progress there. Uh, it was it was still an issue, and then COVID hit, which I think accelerated retirement for a lot of people. A lot of people said, "Yeah, I'm going to leave the workforce, and I'm not going to come back." And so what what we hear all the time now is is um, hey, I'm being asked to do more. I, I I just was given another segment of pipeline that I now have responsibility for. So, so this this need to become more efficient, basically to automate that cathodic protection workflow all the way from the field into the office is is incredibly important. So that, that that's what we're focused on, right? We we did a webinar a couple of days ago, and and one of the questions was, hey, um, can I do two different types of surveys at the same time while I'm walking the line? It's a great question. We're going to get back to that person. I don't know the answer just yet, but but people people must be must be more efficient, right? And mm -hmm. and that that's really what's focused us or what 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 we're focusing on. So that that means in, including maps and um, in all of our mobile 
field survey products really, really important. Um, just to make sure you're at the right place when you're taking the measurements. We actually have some tools now to help you get back to that asset because a lot of these assets don't have roads driving right up to them, obviously. Um, we also, the other trend I would say is, is um, there are more pipelines sitting in the same right-of-ways under overhead electric lines right mm -hmm. now than ever before, right? And with, um, with a focus on electric vehicles and electrification of our transportation, um, there's going to be more current flowing through those overhead electric lines and there are going to be more electric lines installed, right? And so what that means is uh, AC induced corrosion um, is going to become a bigger problem, not a smaller one. And and what's uh, what's neat is AI, as well as other folks in the industry have monitors that um, we can put in place. So instead of taking a data point or taking a reading once a week or every other week from uh, a rectifier, you know, we have we have folks out there taking data every 15 minutes, right? Because the amount of electricity flowing through those lines changes throughout the day. Right. And and you have to understand maybe in the middle of the afternoon when everybody's cranked up their air conditioning in Texas, there may be a really, really high amount of current density induced down onto that pipeline. And so a mitigation system is needed. So those are just two of the trends um, that we're focused on. And, and that second one, uh, the second one where the remote monitoring needs are so different, that's where we're able to leverage decreased communication costs. Right. And, mm -hmm. and both on cellular and on, on satellite. Remind our listeners, by the way, of the product lines from you all at AI that potentially address those. Yeah, so um, uh, we call our remote monitoring family the Bullhorn. Mm -hmm. um, that's been the brand we've used uh, for a very, very long time, uh, north of 20 years, I believe. Um, and it, it is a family of cellular and satellite remote monitors um, that primarily are used in cathodic protection and AC mitigation systems. Uh, we have a line of current interrupters called Micromax that uh, are used to do close interval surveys for cathodic protection. And um, and then the brand that's probably most well known is what I mentioned earlier is PCS, which is the pipeline compliance software. And that is, you know, 75 to 80 percent of the pipelines in uh, North America or, or in the United States use PCS to manage their cathodic protection data. And, and that is you may have heard it called CPDM, Cathodic Protection Data Manager. We have a, uh, you can manage your atmospheric corrosion, your internal corrosion, uh, close interval survey data, ILI data. So it's, it's a, it's a very broad tool and um, it's a, it's really a pleasure because we, we have really strong relationships with these pipeline operators and we take their feedback and, and that's what gets integrated into the product at this point. Looking at it, just holistically, where does this fit in terms of, you know, a cradle to grave type corrosion management plan? Just where does the technologies that we're talking about from you all, how does that fit in with an operator's overall plan and what they're trying to do to manage and mitigate corrosion? Right. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think just in practical terms, what what our products do is obviously we don't build rectifiers, uh, we don't design cathodic protection systems. What we do do is, is um, provide the products and solutions that allow you to collect that data um, to make sure your cathodic protection system is working 
efficiently and how you're protecting your pipe. So really everything from the field to the office is what I've said, but, but maybe coming down a level. Well, what does that mean? Well, we help you collect the data either through a mobile field survey or a fixed point remote monitor bullhorn. We bring that into PCS and then in PCS you can analyze the data. And, and that analysis will tell you where you are in criteria or, or good with your regulations and where you were out. So that, that's the first thing it does is it, it helps you determine what you need to go do to get your to keep or, or to either get or keep your, your pipeline in uh, regulatory status. So um, it also has a scheduling engine because a lot of the regulations around cathodic protection or corrosion control you know, are, are date driven as well. Like thou uh, must get a reading from a rectifier every other month. You must visit the rectifier once a year, not to exceed 15 months, things like that. Um, PCS um, has that scheduling engine built in with the logic from FIMSA, the pipeline uh, governing body. Um, and, and so uh, users can actually collect the data as I talked about, run reports, feed that into the scheduling engine, and it will actually help them determine, hey, what do we need to do when? And, um, and the final thing it does is that it, it, um, our customers uh, use PCS heavily um, to prepare for audits um, and actually participate in audits. So the auditors will a lot of times sit down with our customers and say, show me this data. They can pull it up in PCS, pull up a report. So I, I would say that's where we, we like to think we're really partners with our customers. Um, mm -hmm. helping them meet regulatory compliance and and in many cases go well above and beyond that to mm -hmm. beyond what the regulations say. I asked you earlier about some of the future marketplace trends and we went into that as an offshoot. I also want to ask you about sort of the future regulatory trends. Is there anything you're seeing on that front in terms of regulatory compliance? You mentioned PEMSA a few times there uh, and if so, if you see any trends coming down the pipe, uh, how does AI plan to help companies adapt to those? Sure. Um, well, the big one, the obvious answer that anyone who's listening will probably jump right to is the mega rule. Yep. Um, it's uh, that was the subject of our webinar that we did a couple of days ago, and the and the part there are three parts of the mega rule: part one, part two, part three. Um, part three is the one that's the top of everybody's minds. Um, parts one and two um, basically added some uh, regulations to gas transmission lines. And part three takes some of those regulations and applies them to gathering lines, um, many of which uh, our customers don't actually have data on. And so uh, step one is uh, people need to go out and do an inventory of their gathering assets. And the first part of that is they, they the regulations create something called a type C pipeline, and um, it's based largely on diameter. Uh, and so the, the first step is to go out and collect all of that uh, data to know exactly what's in the ground, where are the valves, um, precisely where are the valves, where in any appurtenances, um, all the data that may be sitting in a filing drawer all need to be collected into a single place. And, and that's where I think AI can help. Um, we have field software that's designed to do that sort of field asset inventory. And that data can be collected and brought back in. It can go into PCS. It can go into your GIS system, a work management system, or you know pods or some other database record. So I think I think that's the most um, near-term uh, regulations. And 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 part of the Part Three regulations is 
hey, we're, we're asking you to collect all this data because it's going to drive future regulations on gathering lines, right? So, um, so we'll, we'll see, I guess. We know more are coming, right? Uh, we also know that this industry isn't going anywhere and we are essential um, to the health and uh, economic health of, of our country and this world. So um, there'll be more regulations and, and we'll be alongside with our partners and, and, and clients to help uh, keep these things safe. Absolutely. We're winding down now with Ed Cruft, CEO of American Innovations. Before we sign off, this is an AMP podcast, so I do want to ask you a bit about the role of AMP. You mentioned AMP and NACE in one of your answers earlier, and I wanted to circle back to that. When we talk about some of these um, upcoming legislative changes and regulatory trends and how that affects some of your clients, what are some of the ways that an association like AMP can potentially uh, help you guys in your mission? Basically, how can... Uh, private companies and industry work, uh, or private companies and associations, that is, work together for the betterment of the industry on some of these issues? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I think I think AMP uh, is incredible. I think the conferences we have all the way at the, from the national to the very, very small or regional events are um, are excellent. It's, it's kind of a tribal industry. Knowledge is passed uh, through presentations. I know obviously there are written regulations and specifications that and that AMP works on and develops, but um, but a lot of the how do you actually do it when you're out in the field is passed on through these presentations. So I would I would certainly encourage um, that to happen and and happen more regularly. We're we're trying to participate uh, across the country where we can. Um, I think that's really really important. The other thing is. Um, one of the things I mentioned earlier was about this topic of, of DC interference or AC interference, and 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 uh, it's really really important that companies operators who own those pipelines actually need to work together to do those studies to understand if neighboring pipelines are having a negative impact on their cathodic protection systems. And I think AMP, in their efforts to build community, can be a big part of that. Right. In other words, all the you know, there's a Central Texas uh, quarterly AMP meeting. You know, part of that agenda should be driven around. Hey, we need to get together and we need to plan to do these interference studies. Um, and and that's tough, right? Because everybody's busy. But it, it's really really important. The Mega Rule Part Two talked about that, and I think I think AMP can actually help facilitate that community and and keep that on the forefront of people's minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great point and something that I know we're looking forward to helping do, um, especially those of us on a staff level over the coming months. Great. Ed, thank you. Thank you so much for the time. Before we sign off, uh, please give contact info for UAI, basically for any listener that wants to learn more about you guys or perhaps pick your brain for more intel, uh, how can they find out more from you all? Well, the, the first answer is our website. It's AIWorldwide.com. Um, uh, I'd love to hear directly from people. My email is, is ed.cruft, K-R-U-F-T, um, at AIWorldwide.com. Just email me, and I'll, uh, if I don't know the answer, um, I'll find out somebody who does. And, uh, or if you just have feedback or ideas, I love, I love dealing directly with, um, with folks in the industry. So I think that's that's probably the best way for right now. Terrific.
this is where we will break for today. For Ed Cruft, I'm Ben Dubose. A couple of plugs on our end. If you want more information from us at AMP, of course, the association website is amp.org, ampp.org. And for our AMP publications team, visit materialsperformance.com and codingspromag.com for the latest news from Materials Performance and Codings Pro Magazine. That will do it for today. Again, for Ed, I'm Ben. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.